Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher. And today's guest sees a clear theme across the pivotal moments in her career, intentionality of culture. Many years ago, she experienced and led through organizational healing and a test of the organization's values after a long-term, highly trusted leader embezzled from the organization prior to her joining. Chris Hackbarthhorn is the Chief People Officer at Fox Communities Credit Union. But what you really need to know about Chris is how she has learned the importance of putting people first, all people. Listen in as we talk about rebuilding trust and loving something from the inside out. And you do not want to miss the ending of the story about the leader who embezzled. You will be shocked. I suspect you will, just as I was, when you hear how all of that unfolded. Check it out. All of our journeys are so different, you know, along the way. But, you know, I think in a quick summary, you know, here's mine. You know, I went off to to college and, and didn't have an immediate focus of what I wanted to do. And somewhere along the way, you know, I, uh, after, uh, being in school for a couple years and still changing majors, uh, my sweet dear parents said to me, you know, you're going nowhere fast. And you sort of got to figure this thing out. And my dear mother at that point worked for one of our uh, larger regional temp services. And she gave me an opportunity to go sit at the front desk and answer phones all summer long for an organization that had 2,000 people in it. And at that moment, I sat downstairs and I watched everybody go up the elevator and I thought, what do you got to do to get up the elevator? Like there must be cool stuff going on up the elevator. And my mom said, get a purpose and figure out what you want to do and you can go up the elevator. So uh, at the end of the day, I ended up really focusing. I got a wonderful job. Taylor totally dates me as a personnel assistant and found a, a purpose of really wanting to help people. And it refocused me and it launched what's been an amazing career. How would you summarize the evolution of HR since you started in personnel? Isn't that so fun? When I think about it, and I remember having a really wonderful discussion with one of the owners for the organization and one of the organizations I worked with. And I think when I first started it, and, and I'm a communication management major, so I'm not an HR major by trade, but you know, I fell into this, well, it's about compliance. You know, you got to make sure that you don't have any risk and you don't have any of that. And he came into my office one day and he said, Chris, I just need you to be thinking about this a little different. And it was one of those wonderful moments where mentors and other leaders impact us. And he just said, Chris, you know what? I think it's just really about our people. And if we create ways for them to move and breathe and, and grow, I think we can get the stuff right and not worry so much about the rest. That'll come. And you have taken that with you throughout your entire career, no doubt. Yeah, I have. And I think, you know, even at that moment where I was, um, you know, earlier in my career, I think I didn't realize the full extent and appreciate that discussion until other experiences have happened. Well, and isn't that what it's about at the end of the day? It's about our people and how do we create experiences and opportunities for them? So grateful that you got that that early in your career and have been able to play that out. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, one of those many pivotal moments, but sometimes when they happen in the moment, we don't always realize until we reflect. Isn't that so true? Which is why on this show, we ask, you know, tell us about a pivotal moment that taught you a lot about yourself and your leadership because 
experience is the best teacher and we can take those lessons learned and share with others. So you had told me lots of pivotal moments, but there's one in particular that really stands out to you. Let's talk about a couple of them maybe, and, you know, we can take them in any order, but, you know, one of the things that I think really helped reinforce my thinking on it is, you know, I look back to, uh, you know, the, to 9-11 and, and I think about that experience. And at that point in time, I worked for an organization here in Green Bay, Wisconsin that had, you know, many manufacturing locations across the United States. We were into office furniture, a bunch of other things going on. But we also had people that were installing furniture in the Pentagon at a showroom in New York that day. And I think as many of us who were in the workplace and even, you know, in school and in other places in our life, sit back and remember that day. And that was one, I think, for me, where walking in and none of us even imagining that the whole organization as a whole world was in shock about what happened. I just remember very vividly that day just thinking about, you know, how do we just care for people? Let's just care for people today because that needs to be our number one goal. And so it started a whole bunch of communication, a whole bunch of phone calls, a whole bunch of reaching out, a whole bunch of cadence of many things. But I think the other lesson on that day for me was more reflective of when we sit back and people typically have this change of, you know, I go to work every day and I think through our baby boomers and that hard work that's given in that and even our Gen Xers that were in the workplace at that time, we had to drive to keep working and working and working and working and working, right? And I think that day became a pivotal place that the organizations that started to understand and people started to understand that there's more to this journey. And we've got to make sure that as an employer, considering our people spend more time awake with us, how do we make sure that we have organizations that have purpose and connect to people's purpose and give back in a way that's different? Because I, I, for me, it was a pivotal and one of these other moments that pivotally made a shift. And I think those organizations who paid attention to that shift and continue to pay attention to that shift are the ones that stand out. How did that impact you personally? I think it really challenges you to step in into spaces where maybe you want. And I think it challenges you, you know, it challenged me personally as a leader to step in and just take, you know, take control where I sometimes didn't even think, you know, oh, could I do that? Maybe I could, maybe I can't. But that intuition really kicked in, you know. So I remember reaching to our travel team and asking for, you know, where everybody was the minute I got into the office and starting a cadence of communication for all of our leaders, talking to family members on the phone with people that were traveling, keeping, asking all of our leaders to keep a, you know, a tab of where everybody was because we had people flying all over the country. Yeah, there certainly is no playbook for leading on a day like that. So I appreciate your comment that your intuition kicked in and you followed. You followed that lead, just loving on people that day. So continue on this pivotal moment journey as you think about other times that stand out to you as important lessons learned. Another opportunity that came is, you know, I had the honor of uh, leading inside of Goodwill for 11 years, North Central Wisconsin, Goodwill here. And when I came into that organization, the organization was in a place of trying to heal. And Bob Peterson, who is our chief visionary and storyteller, had gone through an experience and taken the organization through experience a year before where we had our controller who had been with Goodwill for over 20 plus years and more. They discovered that she had embezzled. 
and they stopped counting at about a half a million in for what it was. But it was really this place where I, at that moment, I came in a year after, but the organization was still trying to heal. And it was an interesting place. And I, I remember one of the things in my interview process that really stood out is I said to Bob, you know, tell me about this experience because I'd only, you know, heard it through the news, right? I hadn't lived it or experienced it. And he, you know, walked me through the experience of what they did. He actually wrote a book on this uh, that was available out on, on the Our Goodwill website for a while. And he talked through the steps of what they had to do for the investigation, who we had to bring in, how we had to reach to the board. We had a variety of other nonprofits that we were handling some accounting for to help them, how we had to reach to them, how it all went down. And one of the things that, that they did is the very following, you know, the Monday after she was arrested on Sunday, is he met with all the team and, you know, at the at sort of the corporate, you know, area and pulled everybody together and said, you know, hey, the, I need to tell you this is what's happened. And one of the individuals raised their hand, I guess, in that meeting and said, well, I guess, Bob, this means, you know, we're going to have we're going to have to lock down everything like I get it. You know, we're going to have tons of checks and balances. And he turned around and said to him, you know what? No. I mean, obviously, we need to trust and verify. And obviously, we're going to look at all of our processes. That's without a doubt. He said, but this is a moment that we really need to trust each other more than ever. So we can't lose that. And I thought, oh, I want to work there. That's an amazing place. So we transcended then on a journey of that, of building trust, of redoing our values, of really being reflective of what it meant to put people first, which ultimately changed to a value of put people first, dot, dot, all people. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you start the story with the organization was healing and then hearing him say, this is a moment we need to trust each other. No doubt his leadership was a really important part of that healing because he sets the tone for how people respond and process through that. What does it look like for an organization to heal? What was your experience? I think it took just a, a lot of lessons. I think it took to be really honest and open about what had happened. I think it took bringing in thoughtful resources to continue to help support people. I think it was about relationship building, about getting short wins. All those things really matter. You know, the the caveat to the story was, as I mentioned before, you know, we had a core value and it was, you know, this core value was put, you know, put people first. And funny enough, when I started in the organization and I walked through the door, we had the values up on the wall and put people first was, was third because it fit better in the graphic for that marketing <laughs> did. And I had to be like, Hey, you know, I think maybe we should move that one up. <laughs> Given that we're saying people are first, maybe it should be maybe third. Maybe we should put that one up on the top. But that value eventually changed to put people first, dot, 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 all people. And what happens along the way is one of the programs that existed inside of Goodwill was restorative justice um, that we had. And it was a program that allowed those that were offendees and offenders to try to come back and find a healing spot. And Bob decided that he needed to do that with this individual. So he had gone about that process and, and worked through that. Because he was out speaking about this and he'd say, you know, I'd always get a little verklempt. That was that was his word during the presentation. And he said, I knew I had some baggage. So he went through this experience and shortly, you know, probably about eight years in or when she was about a time to be released or so, he came forward to my office and he said, Chris, I think we've got to do something. And I said, OK, what, what do we want to do? And he said, I think I really want to have this individual come back to work for us. 
And he said, you know, if we put people first, dot, 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 all people, how could we not honor her? How do we turn our back on her? So we ended up talking about that, you know, and we said we both agreed that in the accounting team would not be a good idea uh, without a doubt for that. But she ended up uh, coming in and spending a couple years working back for Goodwill at the front desk as our director of first impressions. And it's just a really neat way to recap that story of healing. What was your initial reaction when he came to you and said, I want to bring her back? You know, to be candid for a moment, I had a pause uh, you know, and be like, oh, oh, well, okay. I didn't see that one coming. Well, it's just, it's just unheard of, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, it's really unheard of. But what learning of, you know, rebuilding trust, forgiveness. And I imagine for her, I mean, you, you talked about restorative justice, allowing people a place to heal. So you're really modeling that. I mean, that was something that you all did. And you're obviously modeling that in this story. Did you ever talk with her about the impact it had on her? Was it an important part of her healing? Yeah. Part of the experience that Bob and I laid out before we brought her back in was to give her some moments to talk with people. And so we set up those moments. I spent time with her, you know, and it was the first time I met her, right? So we had other people that were still on the team in our accounting and finance area who spent time with her and and really, you know, recapped what that meant. And that was huge to close that, to cleanse through that experience together. Very powerful. Well, and it had been several years, so no doubt there had been some turnover, but but I also, I mean, would you say eight years? There were people that she had worked with previously, and undoubtedly everyone knew the story. Yeah, it was eight plus years, but for sure they knew the story. And and like I said, Bob had given a gift of time to share that process and that experience of how the organization handled it to help others because, you know, unfortunately that organization wasn't alone in this happening. Yeah. And so good for the organization and the organization's healing as well, really end up being such a win-win. Chris, as you were talking through the, what does it look like when an organization is healing? You know, it, it strikes me, you talked about being open and honest about what happened, you know, really acknowledging what was relationship building. It is the same things that are so helpful for individual healing not surprising. So, I mean, here, here you're in an organization that's creating an experience for healing to happen. When so often what's immediately coming to mind for me, I and mean, I think why it's so refreshing is I see so many organizations that abruptly cut ties with people. And then there's all this, all these, this ripple effect and people are like, what just happened here? And we don't create space for healing like you all did in this situation? A couple things, you know, to that point, you know, and I always tell our leaders, what we have to remember is not only is it the emotion of what we're dealing with in this moment, you know, this moment with an individual or circumstance, but everybody's always watching. And our ability to uphold our values, our beliefs, and be true to those become hardest in that moment. So I remember, you know, along the way, as happens from time to time with organizations, even inside of our Goodwill family, we had a situation where, where we got things got tough. We were sitting there and, and working through some of the recession issues, some of the other things that were happening. Now, you know, my time with them is 10 years plus that I was there. And so, you know, we hit some hard times and we had a 
let some people go because we just couldn't afford it or the programs were challenged and other things. And it was really the first time that they faced this. And I remember sitting down and, and, and talking with my fellow leaders and I said, okay, as we approach this experience, we have to be as open and transparent as we can. And those were the days that when people faced a reduction, it was like, you know, give me a box. They get a box, you know, put the boxes in the next office. You talk to them and they, they immediately leave. In those moments, what we really pushed and what I pushed to have happened is to say, you know, this is no fault of the individual. Right? They did nothing wrong. And when we give somebody a box, it's because we want to make it easier on us because, quite frankly, we feel bad. And I said, I, I don't think that's living our values. I don't think this is putting people first if we handle it that way. So what we did, which is really common now, but back then it wasn't as common. What we did in those times then is we sat down and we said, you know, here's here's the window. We have a six week or more window. And we said to them, you know what? You have a ton of options. And when people have feel they have no choice, right? That's when it gets really, really difficult. And so we wanted to give people some choice to give them control. And so we said, you know, here at the end is your severance package. This is what we're going to do to help you. We brought in all the outplacement services. We did all that kind of work. But we said, so here's what, but here's the window. You know, here's sort of the runway. We've, you've got six weeks because we want you to adjust to this. We want you to know that we've talked to your team. They know we're having this discussion, so they're prepared and want to be there for you. But you can do a couple things at this moment. You can immediately say, today's too hard, and I just want to go home and think about this. Totally fine. Totally good. But then what, to, what I want you to think about is, do you want to work those six weeks? Do you want to finish out the things you're working on? Do you want to be a part of that? Or if you don't, in addition to your severance, we'll pay you. We're just going to pay you because no holds bar will take care of you. And once you know, every one of those people stayed. Wow. That is such an incredible example of leading through that challenging situation with so much compassion and care. I mean, another example of that value of putting people first, all people. So as I'm hearing you, I, I know there were a lot of lessons learned across those experiences at Goodwill, those 11 years that you were there. How would you describe your greatest lessons learned through that time? Well, that is a really big question. <laughs> here's what I think. I, I mean, here's what I learned, I think, the most is that intentionality is huge on our journey of leadership. And I looked at that as in creating intentional culture. And I still believe that. And I've taken that on into, you know, other organizations that now I've been a blessed to be a part of. But, you know, I look at it in, in three ways. Every organization needs to be able to define what I'll call their roadmap. And those roadmaps today are defined by us understanding what our purpose is, you know, what our place is in this world as any organization. It's having us be really clear through our mission of what is our core competency and what isn't, because we can do a lot of things in the world, but doing less is actually sometimes doing more. We need to make sure that we have a vision that sets, you know, the hope and inspires our people, but is really authentic to who we are. And we have to make sure that we understand those core values that really help us do our best when we all lean in to a certain set of behaviors and expectations. It makes us stronger as a team by bringing that in. And defining that roadmap sets that target for the future for us. But equally, we have to understand that any strong culture has strength in our symbols 
strength in our brand. We see it through that. You know, you see the Nike swish, people get a feeling. You see the Apple, you get a feeling. You emotionally react to what those things are, right? And so organizations need to understand that the brand becomes strongest when you love it from the inside out. And, and that's what, that's what holds us. That's what differentiates us. But it also impacts the words we speak. And so, you know, for example, inside of my Fox Communities family today, you know, we are transcending language and moving away from employee language and moving to team member language. Seems like a small change. But if you look up, I used to say you go to the Webster, but nobody does that anymore. So if you Wikipedia it <laughs> or, or Google it, those two <laughs> words, you find a dramatic difference in behavior expectations of what your intentions are. So roadmaps, loving the symbols, including the words we speak, and then really being able to make sure that all of our people programs that are designed to bring the best out of all of our talent reflect that set of values, reflect that roadmap. And time and time again, going in and saying, hey, are we doing this with total rewards? Wow, gosh, if we're not, we got to take that, pull that slice out of this, this wheel we're working on and we got to change it, blow it up, you know, revamp it and slide it back in. And now let's move on to how we're selecting people or now let's move on to how we're working with our engagement strategy or our growth and development strategy. But those three things, you know, having a clear roadmap, understanding the powers of symbols, even through the words we speak, and then embracing all of our people programs around that time and time again, really, to me, have been, I think, probably one of the biggest lessons in, in my leadership journey of helping an organization move to their highest potential. It creates this, like, this rallying cry, doesn't it? Like, it gives everyone something to share in and support. The starting with the roadmap and then ensuring that the symbols are aligned with that. I love, I love your quote, the brand becomes stronger when you love it from the inside out. And the subtle shift from employee to team member. I mean, it's such a good reminder that you can have such, such impact with a, a simple word change. It denotes something very different. I'm a part of a team versus I'm an employee or I'm a number. It makes us feel so different about, you know, and what we can bring out when, you know, when we do our strongest work, we allow our people to come a full, full heart into the workplace. And, and that allows us to all uniquely be us, to feel I can come with all my gifts and my talents and, you know, my areas I need to learn and grow. But when I do that, you know, we get the best out of what's happening at the top, right? The best out of our, our, all of our talents and capacities. Yeah, I'll never forget when I joined HRD five years ago, our office manager was doing some supporting me on some client work. And I I had replied to a client and I had said, my colleague would get you this, blah, blah, blah. And she came into my office a little while later with tears in her eyes. And she said, you know, I've never, I've never been called a colleague by one of my team members here. <laughs> Like, oh my goodness, that just meant so much. And it's exactly what you're describing. Words matter. And those, those subtle nuances can make a big difference to people and how they feel. Well, Chris, this, this is an amazing story. Thank you so much. It's, it's, I really appreciate the trip down memory lane and, and the multiple pivotal moments that really all point back to this value that that core value that this core value that goodwill not only espoused but you lived so well putting people first dot 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 all people that may be the title of this episode 
Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story.